Welcome to the Washington In Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square. I'm Jeremy Lott, regional editor for the Center Square Newswire Service for Washington State. Washington In Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts, including this one, at americastalking.com. Today, we are talking with Brett Davis, Spencer Pauly, and Raylan Ricard, who, together with me, try to cover all the news that breaks in Washington State. And this is another very special primary episode of the podcast. So that's two, if you're counting. Two specials in a row? Two specials, because we're we're very special. So, and and this one is, is the very, very special jungle primary episode. Uh, just so people understand who don't know, uh, Washington State lets everybody, uh, anyone who wants to, can uh, compete in an open primary system. And only the top two go into the uh, election or, or printed on the ballot in November. You can, pr- you can then vote for anyone you want by writing them in. I frequently write in my dad, Bob Lott. And, um, and, uh, and then after November, I'm going to switch metaphors. There can be only one. <laughs> Highlander reference. Yes, got got Highlander reference in there. So um, we're going to start with a uh, you know anything can happen in these primaries, and and here is proof. <laughs> Nonpartisan Julie Anderson may be Republicans' best hope for Washington Secretary of State. Brad Davis, tell us about this. Yes, that's right. I wrote I wrote that story. So uh, Republicans, <laughs> I'm going to guess they're desperate to get back the Secretary of State's office they held since what I believe 1965 until last year yeah, when it was Steve literally Hobbs was appointed. <laughs> and to and the it was position. The, yeah. So the the um, sitting Secretary of State who is a Republican quit to join the Biden administration. Right. That would be Kim Wyman. Yeah, you know he'll turn. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, Jay Inslee, who's the democratic governor appointed fellow Democrat, Steve Hobbs was actually kind of a pain in his side, uh, in the Senate because of some of his, uh, uh, advocacy for low car taxes and, and things of this nature. Right. Uh, I believe he was part of something called the roadkill caucus. Yes. That, that was what it was nicknamed. Um, uh, so he, he appointed him, uh, secretary of state and, uh, then he has to do a special election in November for the unexpired portion of Kim Wyman's term. How did uh, Tuesday night go for him? Well, he's actually dominating at the moment. He has about, uh, let's see, he's about 40% of the vote right now. Okay. It's not too surprising. Julie Anderson, she came in uh, second. She's a current Pierce County auditor and former Tacoma City Council member. Uh, she has a little over 13%. So she looks like she's doing the best out of. Uh, there's a total of eight people running. Yeah, it sounds like a very the top crowded two. field to me. Yes, yes, <laughs> eight the top, people. I the counted top this two. morning. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't realize this many people were running for that position. But <laughs> yeah, so um, there was a lot of infighting, and a, a, a complete dark horse uh, has emerged That's to right. challenge Steve Hobbs. Uh, and you know, you you argue or you you make the case in this article that. You know, she may actually represent a certain amount of hope for Washington Republicans. She technically doesn't have an R by her name. She's running as a nonpartisan. Yeah. She might, like you said, she may uh, represent the Republicans' best hope because uh, Republicans didn't seem to be too uh, enthused with their last two secretaries of state, both of whom were obviously Republicans. You mentioned Kim Wyman. She was uh, she was pretty critical of uh, President Trump. Uh, she criticized him when he was a candidate, when he was uh, 
making reference to the upcoming election that he won. He, you know, he said it was going to be rigged and she just, you know, burned him for that. And mm-hmm. she also weighed in on the uh, Maricopa County uh, alleged audit yeah. <laughs> to see if, uh, you know, Trump, in fact, won in that in that county. Uh, she she, you know, she was not happy about that either. So, you know, a lot of Republicans, they didn't they didn't care for at least that portion of her her agenda. So mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, uh, Sam Reed, he was the, the secretary of state before that. And. Oh, you're going to say something, Jeremy? No, no. Like tell you're me, getting tell ready to say Sam something. Reed. So no, no. he was the Secretary of State way back then. I was, I was uh, more like rubbing my hands in anticipation. Oh, okay. <laughs> during the, uh, uh, I guess you could say, infamous gubernatorial uh, election of 2004 between Dino Rossi and uh, Christine Gregoire. Yes, where the Republican won the first two counts, but still managed right. to lose the election. So yeah, Dino Rossi, he was declared the winner in the initial automated recount. or Yeah, and then in the subsequent automated recount. And then there was a second recount done by hand, and it uh, followed a state Supreme Court ruling that allowed King County to consider um, some uh, newly discovered and or mistakenly rejected ballots. So Christine Greg- Gregoire went on to win by a, a measly 133 votes. I believe it's the closest gubernatorial election in the history of the nation, actually. So, Yep. And, and it is almost an article of faith among Republicans that that was a stolen election. Yes. <laughs> Left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Yeah. So, um, okay. And from that, we move on to some close calls in Washington state primaries for Congress. What were these close calls? Brad Davis. So in the third congressional district, uh, I think these numbers are fairly up to date. <laughs> they keep changing every day. So I guess our rep, uh, Jamie Herrera Butler, she was receiving fewer votes than her Democratic challenger, Marie Perez, uh, 24.48% to 31.77%. Uh, that was a couple of days ago. Those numbers might have changed, but I haven't, <laughs> haven't looked at them this morning. I admit it. <laughs> That make me a bad person? No, no. It's too early to look at numbers. <laughs> so, what, what what were the other districts where there were close calls? Uh, let's see, the fourth congressional district, uh, Republican Rep. Dan Newhouse. He has twenty seven point three two percent. That doesn't sound uh, like a lot. No, he's ahead of his other challengers, but not by much. If uh, Doug White came in at around twenty six percent, he's and a he Democrat. The Democrat right, Republican. Another Republican challenger, Lauren Culp. He's a former gubernatorial candidate. He was just under twenty two percent last I checked. Mm-hmm. So pretty close call. So we'll see Indeed. how that pans out eventually. Yes, and there was one more race where there was some question. Would that be the eighth congressional district? That was that is correct. What what happened on election night there? Dyer, the uh, incumbent, she has 49.4% of the vote, and Rick Larson, he has or, about 48.41%. No, no, oh, is that right? No. Nope. Right, no. Okay. Did I screw so, up? Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. You, you jumped from one district to the other. Oh, I'm sorry. I did. What, I did. What happened I'm looking was we, at the wrong thing here. We, yes, no, it's My bad. completely understandable. What happened was we didn't actually know who the Republican challenger was going to be. And now we're going to, I'm going to talk about with Spencer Pauly about that, because this is an example of how when, when the news breaks, we have to fix it. I'd say Jeremy. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, yesterday afternoon, uh, we, we published a piece titled Washington's 8th Congressional District still, still Too Close to Call for GOP Challenger. Talk to me about that one, Spencer. It's a race I've been following just because it's uh, they see it as a key race for Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, some you know key statistics that you know updated is Kim Schreier, the Democratic uh, representative, had less than fifty percent votes, yeah. and so you know. And, and just so people know, a rule of thumb is that if uh, and it's you know it's not hard and fast, but if a incumbent can get more than fifty percent of the vote in the primary, they're probably going to win the general. Probably right. 
Um, and but whenever they're below that, it's kind of danger zone, danger Will Robinson. So, anyways, but what happened with the Republicans? So there are three key Republicans that were, you know, going for the seat. Yeah. But um, it's uh, Reagan Dunn, the King County Council member, uh, Matt Larkin, and uh, Jesse Jensen. Now it's really just between Matt Larkin and Reagan Dunn. That's what I wrote about. Is yeah. there's like less than two percent difference between the two. Now. I talked about how Dunn was leading Larkin in King County specifically, but in the other counties, Larkin was leading. Yeah. And so, I mean, Larkin was in the lead by, you know, less than 2%. And I kept updating it and refreshing just to see if anything happened, submitted the piece, you know, talking about how close it was and yep. then what happened. And then we, then we published it. And then all of a sudden, newsflash, Dunn concedes. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't wait. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, there were thousands of votes left to count. Theoretically, I think it could, you know, if it was like 100% or something, it could have gone for Dunn, but it's never 100%. He, he, you know, did the back of the envelope math, figured there is very little chance to basically no chance that I'm going to win this. And so he, he um, conceded to Larkin. And, you know, did what he could to try to shore up party support after a, a you know, a closely fought primary. And uh, <laughs> I then tried to get a hold of Spencer to write about this. And that that didn't happen. Um, and so <laughs> oops, I, I said, well, you know, news breaks. We got to fix it. We is me in this case. So <laughs> then I ended up having to to write the piece. And uh, it was it was quite it was fun to sort of dive into the numbers. But uh, yeah, just I wanted to give a people an example of how a messy journalism can get. It's never so, easy. It's never easy. It, it ain't easy being us. But it's um, yeah. Jeremy on the color ID. I'm going to hide. <laughs> <laughs> Run away. Yeah. Um, so speaking of messy, 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 messy democracy. Really? And I'm going to I'm going to read you some titles of articles that you've written. And I want you just to. Tee off, tee off. Okay. Spokane County Democrats gain toehold in GOP territory and Trump backed candidates trail impeachment supporters in Washington GOP primary. Talk to me about what was happening in your area of the state. Um, just some interesting twists and turns. The fourth congressional district and the third congressional district, the Republicans had multiple candidates running. And if they had consolidated and had one, like the Democrat, they would have taken Newhouse out and probably Jamie Herrera Butler out. Yeah. But because they split the vote between all these candidates, they um, they watered it down to where it looks like Newhouse and the Democrat will merge and then Jamie Herrera Butler and the Democrat will emerge. And um, that's going to be interesting because there are a lot of people out in in um, those districts that are not going to vote for those two incumbents. And so could conceivably flip the seat. It's possible. We'll, we'll see how it all, you know, what, what sort of consolidation takes place. And um, the the yeah, the issue, obviously, uh, a big issue was that they both voted for the impeachment of Donald Trump. They were uh, mm -hmm. two of two, uh, two of 10 Republicans in the House who voted for the impeachment after he had left office. So right, and the two Trump endorsed candidates felt that the other Republicans should have fallen by the wayside and let them run because they had the best odds. And they and they actually did like in the results, you know, but um yeah. Anyway, that didn't happen because of free will, you know, so um, now they're they're talking about the spoilers, you know, that cost the election. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, like the uh, 
I'll, I'll be interested in seeing what Newhouse and Butler do, and we'll be covering this by way of, of trying to consolidate the vote. You know, what what's is there going to be any conciliation, any uh, you know fig leaves, anything? Um, and uh, you know, we'll be on the lookout for that. So, something else happened that we were all over. Um, and I'll I'll just call the article out. Yakima Auditor's Office denies early release of election numbers. Why why was this even a charge, Rayla? Well, the minute I heard that, the claim by two of the uh, Republicans in the fourth district, um, Lauren Culp and Jared Sessler, that that there had been election tampering because results had been released. I, I I looked at the and they were so released I, by the what was what's the name of the Yakima Yakima Herald Republic. Republic? Okay, and they had posted a page that said you know two thousand twenty two election results, primary election results, and, and they had the, was this on the front page of the website? Or yeah, what? on Sunday, you know. Yeah. So this is the front election. page of the website and one of the biggest newspapers in the state. Right. And they gave numbers, you know, they yeah. put out numbers. And um, I was talking to you, I think, when I heard about it. And my I used to paginate pages and get them ready for posting. And my feeling was that they just hit the wrong button and something went live yeah. accidentally when they were setting the template up. But not only did they post the numbers, they had the incumbent and the Democrat up, you know, top. They weren't alphabetically listed or anything neutral. So that caused a whole furore. So yeah. the two candidates filed um, complaints with law enforcement yeah. over election tampering. We, we covered this specifically because they, you know, they, they filed charges with law enforcement and went on the record. They said it was voter suppression, that if people had seen that and their candidate was doing well, they might not have voted because they didn't feel like they need to. And if their candidate was doing badly because uh, about uh, five of the candidates didn't have any numbers at all, then they might feel like there was no no point, you know, mm -hmm. to do the vote. So they filed the complaints. Yeah. And so how how is this resolved? Well, I reached out to the Yakima Herald Republic and they were going to give me a statement and then they didn't before the election. But the, the auditor's office got an email from them basically saying what I thought that they hit, you know, that it went live accidentally. It was erroneous, you know. Yeah. And um, and, you know, the, the the auditor's office is like we didn't give many results, you know, so nothing will happen with the complaint because really I, nothing wrong happened except it was a big oops on the part of that's a pretty big oops. On a yeah, part I, I, did, have they have they issued a public statement yet? I know they hadn't. Um, I checked their website this morning. If they did, it's been up and down. I haven't seen it. You know, yeah. I haven't seen one. Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I, look, the the centers. Different news media can do whatever the heck they want to do, but the center square at the center square, we own our mistakes. Um, we issue when when there are factual questions, we investigate them. We first fix the problem. We then issue a correction, um, and it it doesn't just go on the article. It, it we we have a central repository for all, all of our mistakes for all time. You can just scroll down and say, see all of our errors. Um, because we think that it's really important that that's a really important part of the journalism is, you know, in, admitting when you got it wrong. And uh, I, I think it it helps. It shores up your reputation rather than hurts it over time. Um, and I just I, I very much encourage all media who are thinking this through to when you, you make a mistake, a very big public mistake of this magnitude, you know, own it. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that's my advice. My unsolicited advice that'll probably get people scoffing, but there you go. I think that's important too for credibility, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're not infallible and I don't think we should pretend to be. 
they might have been concerned about legal ramifications or something sure. too. You know, I don't really know, but yeah, that should have been a big oops. Yeah. So they did list the candidates when they did report. They listed them all in alphabetical order. You yeah. know, they so um, they took they did change the order that they had had. Yeah, I mean, it seemed fairly clear to us that this was, you know, probably just a big oops, but you know, it got bigger and bigger uh, by by not owning it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and finally, I want to talk about how uh, in Washington State, the people have been an- analyzing this election, and they've said, you know, there's no red wave. Um, and there was a predicted red wave, and they've said that you know, various there's there's counter let's call it a a blue riptide. Um, that's that's pulling this red wave back. And I'm not saying that doesn't in part exist, but it was very, and I need to do a, a better job of going through the numbers and I'm going to, but uh, a lot of the, the poor results you've seen are simply because of fracturing. Uh, you know, Steve Hobbs is, is seen to be, you know, the guy to beat for secretary of state and he is, but he got, you know, 40 ish percent of the vote. That's a danger zone. Um, the reason that that he looks like uh, like he's got a commanding lead is because the field was so wide. Um, th- this is also true in in some of the uh, incumbents, the two incumbent Republicans uh, who there you know the, a lot of the party infighting over Trump and whatnot. If you look at the combined Republican vote uh, in their district, it's massive. Uh, now that doesn't mean that th- th- they'll be able to consolidate that whole vote, but it does mean that there was actually significant turnout um, by Republicans who want to see change, and we'll see what that means in the coming elections on November eighth. Uh, that's about all the time we have today. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you, Ray Lynn. Washington in Focus is powered by the Center Square and a production of America's Talk Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts, including this one, at americastalking.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, and how the heck could you not? We ask you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your wonderful podcasts. I'm Jeremy Lott of the Center Square Newswire Service. Listen for another episode of Washington in Focus next week.